Hi everyone, it's Debbie McGee, known as the lovely Debbie McGee. It's my brand new podcast, Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee, in which you will find out whether I'm really lovely or not, or whether it's just a myth. But I hope that you'll join me every week to hear different stories from my life. You know, what motivates me, what's happened to me, who I've met, and how I met my late husband, Paul Daniels. That's in Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. Spill the Tea Podcast with Debbie McGee. Hi, here we are again with Spill the Tea with Debbie McGee. And I'm so looking forward to talking to my guests this week. We've known each other for years and years and years. And she's someone, she's been in the business working hard since she was six years old. She's done everything from starring in the West End, on Broadway, in TV shows, acting, dancing, singing. She can literally do the lot. And so who am I talking about? Bonnie Langford. Spill the tea with Debbie McGee. You know you want to. Really excited to be talking to my guest this week because it's somebody I've known well forever. <laughs> I feel like all my life. I think we were probably quite young when we first met, even if we didn't know each other too well. And so, and she's done everything there is to do in show business and continues to do. Uh, she's a bit like Peter Pan um, that never seems to change. And it's Bonnie Langford. So, hi, Bonnie. Hello, Debbie. How are you, my darling? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I- I think we have known each other forever um certainly since cats at least yes um not that we've not you weren't in it but you were down the road at the Prince of Wales uh with lovely Paul and you know I don't know you know how you just know people we've just always known each other haven't we absolutely so I'm just you know Bonnie to talk about everything you've done in the business it would be you know we'd be talking till next year wouldn't we really yes yes well and we would be we would be gossiping and and you know literally putting the world to rights we while we did it so you know that could be challenging for people to listen to because they're thinking oh they're off on one again <laughs> but you know just skimming through and you know you you were a professional from being about six years old weren't you yeah well, I mean, yes. I mean, technically, I went on telly when I was six. Yeah. But to say it was the beginning of a career, which I think people tend to do now uh, with young people, they say, oh, it's all starting. It wasn't considered that at all for me. It was, as far as my parents were concerned, it was just sort of lovely opportunities, like, you know, going to visit the Queen or something. You know, not that I did visit the Queen, but, you know, those sorts of things that you would put yeah. on your list of well, wasn't that a lovely part of my life? And, oh, I can have a happy memory from that one. Um, so, yes, I went on Opportunity Knocks when I was six years old, but it wasn't a case of let's go on the television and start your career. But it was, I immediately felt at home, immediately. I can visualise seeing those huge cameras that were like, darling, the floor manager said to me, director Royston Mayo, you remember Royston? He said, he, um, he uh, yeah. He said, if you look at the big camera, uh, if you if you can and you want to, when you see there's a little red light shining above the camera, that's when you'll be seeing all your friends and family at home. They'll be you'll be looking straight at them. So that would be nice if you could focus on that. All those things. I just remember thinking, "Mm, this feels interesting. I'm really taken in by it. it. It wasn't a big kind of flashy deal. It was something that I really felt intrigued and interested and at home. Yep. And you, 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 I mean, as you say, it wasn't all immediate and you did other jobs along the way and just William and all 
the things that we can remember you for. Um, mm. And when you then went, you know, you got things even in your teens, you know, playing Mel. I can remember you in Doctor Who. That's right. And now Doctor Who is huge around the world, isn't it? Massive. Absolutely so massive. Do you, do you get invited to these Doctor Who conventions and things? Yes, and I have been doing a lot while we've been in lockdown on Zoom because, of course, technology is most of the, those people's thing, you know, sci-fi. I even did a Zoom the other day in Australia. Um, you know, it, it, it's incredible. It is the gift that keeps on giving. And in fact, um, uh, I do a lot of the audio dramas as well. So it's like doing radio play. It's lovely. You just go in there. You don't have to learn the words. You look at them and you can, you can sort of be transported to either back to that time or to your character as they may well be now. You know, you can literally sort of recreate with it. And um, two things have happened on that score. On the, on the audio drama, um, I'm actually really looking forward to it because Russell T. Davis, I don't know if you, did you see any of It's a Sin that was just on the TV? Yes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. It was incredible. Well, Russell wrote that as, along with many other things. He's a highly accomplished writer. And in fact, he was responsible for Doctor Who coming back in its new form. Whereas I am part of what they call the classic series. I think pretty soon they're going to call it vintage. <laughs> but it's classic at the moment because it was in the 80s. And um, anyway, so it turns out that Russell watched the show when he was 14, was an avid fan, has always been an avid fan. But he, when he was 14, he wrote a script on a typewriter and the, the doctor and Mel, well, the doctor yeah. and the assistant were me, my character and Colin Baker. And apparently he found it in his loft during lockdown and he's going to resurrect it and we're going to record it. Uh, I don't know what it's like or what it's about, but he's emailed me and said, would you do it? I said, yes, absolutely. So that's, it's just so fascinating. And then also during a part of this year, um, next year in, uh, no, this year. God, I don't know where we are anymore, actually, Debbie. I've got no idea. So in about April, they're going to release um, on Blu-ray season 24, which was one of my seasons. And we've done lots of little bonus extras. And we even they even created a little trailer of Mel being almost in what you call the dragon's den. So she's now a highly accomplished entrepreneur. And um, and it's just a sweet little trailer. So we sort of revisited it. So the fact that it's still alive mm. is it, just extraordinary to me. I would never have believed it when I went in the show. Yeah, but it's, yeah, never let go. So through all these, your childhood years and then going into your training and, and starting to do work, mm. um, what were you like as a person? Were you shy or mm. you mm. were? Because like, mm. I can remember you sort of, you know, way back in gypsy time mm. and you were quite shy then oh terribly yeah I just was this kid I was able to do what I was meant to do I was very boring I was a really dull kid I think people thought that I was going to be this sort of over the top obnoxious sort of precocious kid and um I could do I could do that yes I could play those people but I wasn't one of them I watched them a lot and I, I always, but I, and I also, I always worked in a sort of an adult environment. Mm. And I felt that one didn't behave like that. You just didn't because it, you were with adults and therefore you behave that way. And sometimes I felt that it was more important, even more important to be professional in an environment because I didn't want anyone to excuse bad behavior for my age. Mm. Um, and I felt so, so lucky and privileged to be working with, some very extraordinary people 
and I was a, one of those kids that would watch and take things in. I still do. I'll take, I love people watching. I miss being outside. I mean, I love it to be able, you know, the weather's starting yeah. to get better, which is good. And we can perhaps go and sit and just watch people. In fact, when we were first in lockdown, the very first lockdown, my daughter and I, we would go out and walk through the park and walk slowly. We had these whole scenarios going about people around us that we'd see regularly. We gave them names, completely fictitious, but we'd always, oh, Timmy's back today. Oh gosh, he's gonna climb a tree. No, no, his mummy's really, you know, I mean, it was just ridiculous, but it's sort of, <laughs> I know. We are all a bit like that in show business though, aren't we? You yeah. know, we make things up. Um, well, we have to, don't we? Yeah. I mean, the, the difficulty is, is that, you know, people think we live extraordinary lives and different lives, and we don't. Mm. We're just people who reflect, hopefully, and realistically and authentically, those around us that might be, you know, our, our world is heightened. Our world might have, you know, it might be more pressured. It might be more immediate. We might have to tell stories very quickly. But ultimately, mm. we're just storytellers and playing make-believe. But it has to have that... You know, it has to be real. And if we lose sight of that, then we then we lose our ability to, to do our job, really. So, yeah, we, we live in a little bit of a mad world, but actually it's 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 just reflecting your life. And if it doesn't yeah. and we all go a bit nuts, <laughs> well, I think it's because um, people just imagine that we're at glitzy parties and balls mm. and things all mm. the time, because that's what they see a lot of photographs of. Where you know, know, actually being in show business, most of your life is taken up with work, isn't it? Work, and then, and then you know, when you're not at work, you just want to be quiet and, and you know, yeah. grounded. Or it can be very lonely. Yeah, you know, Absolutely. it can be very lonely as well because you know, you, you, if it, people don't really want to know you, they want to know who they think you are, well, and that's yes. not always the Absolutely. same thing. <laughs> Absolutely. So, <laughs> sort of rushing through your yes, career yes. and all, forward. all the musicals and things. Mm. Um, and when did you when did you first realise that actually you were famous? Was that I? I don't think I did. I, I don't know. I've never known not being known. Yes. Apart from, you know, I did go and live in America for a while. And in many respects, it was just liberating to think that nobody knew who I was before I walked in a room, that my name didn't mean, um, but that, uh, you know, also with work over there, I, I felt, I did feel quite sort of rejuvenated at, at different times because I got the jobs because of what I did in the room, not because of the baggage I brought, and also not because I was, you know, having to undo people's preconceptions. Yes. So, you know, and, and yet at the same time, I feel really, you know, the fact that um, there's two things. First of all, I feel really privileged that people will stop and talk to me in the street. Mm. Sometimes, you know, it, it's nice. Um, I think when I was younger, I found it difficult when I was sort of mainly in my 20s, I found it hardest because people would think I was still a child. And that, you know, when you're busy trying to reinvent yourself, it can be very difficult when you feel that people are constantly dragging you back to something that... Mm you aren't anymore and you don't want to be but you are a, a a bigger a bigger version of that you know that's just the smaller version um and quite often I found through my 20s that I was expected to either go off the rails or hate 
everything I'd ever done as a child, you know, completely um, disrespect it and completely, you know, brush it under the carpet. And I didn't want to do either. I just was like, yeah, okay. And sometimes I would say to people, look, when you were a kid, were you in a nativity play? And they go, oh yes, I was Joseph. Was I? And I go, well, basically that's my life. You don't take, when you're going for a job as CEO of a company, you don't take the video of you in nativity, in your nativity play, but it's something that was part of your history. And sometimes it, I would say it's, it's your, you know, by you bringing up something I did when I was 11, you're, you're basically showing my nativity play to everybody again. <laughs> and it, yes, it was a lovely part of my life and I'm so grateful for it, but I kind of moved on a bit from there. So, you know, there was times when I, I kind of thought, oh, I loved my childhood, but I don't want to bring it with me all the time. Um, as far as being known is concerned, I don't really know what it's like not to be known. And that doesn't mean to say that mm. I'm walking down the street going, don't you know who I think I am? Um, but what I realise now and what I, I love about it is that a lot of people say, I grew up with you. And isn't that a wonderful thing to be able yeah. to say? Absolutely. It's like a friend. It, you sort of you think, well, maybe I'm a friend and that's mm. nice. And yeah. you, you know, you starred in so many musicals. And as you said, you, I mean, like you went to Broadway with Gypsy when you were young, mm. didn't you? Mm. Yes. And then, of course, you went back, as you said, and you were touring with Chicago and everything. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And on Broadway. I went to Broadway yes. again. Yeah. So you, and my, yes. my friend who was my understudy <laughs> in Gypsy was playing opposite me in Chicago. Oh, how fantastic. I know. Isn't it lovely? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, and that was a whole different experience yeah. because you're an adult and you had a, a daughter. And mm -hmm. Yeah, and daughter. We were emailing quite a lot at that time. And I remember one of your emails was about the NHS, which, of course, oh. with COVID, we're all so aware of how lucky we are. And, that yeah. you know, there, if your daughter's ill, you try and mm -hmm. go and buy something from the drugstore before you take them to a doctor because mm -hmm. then talking about hundreds and, or thousands, thousands. of dollars. Yeah, my, my little girl, she got, she was much younger then, she she um, she um got a little tummy upset. And normally you just go to the doctors, get the mm -hmm. banana medicine, that's it, sorted. I did that, went to the hospital, but it was $1,000. Yeah. So, you know, coming back here and just feeling that we've got the NHS and, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, we take it for granted. We do. And, you know, we know it's not perfect, but... But without it, we would be in a terrible state. And, you know, mm -hmm. in America, there are people that are literally dying because they can't mm -hmm. afford to be treated, mm -hmm. which, you know, luckily we don't have that here. So mm -hmm. then, you know, you've worked with everybody. So do you <laughs> have a hero or a heroine performer that you, when you were growing up, that was the person you adored? Well, I had the most extraordinary example. I had the most extraordinary um, experience. And that was when I was in Gypsy when I was eight years old. And then I went to America with the show. Um, and that was Angela Lansbury. She played my mum, uh, Mama Rose. And uh, if anybody needs a sort of a, a heroine to look up to, who's a, a, a real heroine, as in not some kind of fantasy person that you only see the good bits uh she was a real person and is a real person and that's I think that gave me such an extraordinary um uh benchmark to to sort of emulate because I saw her on stage I saw her off stage I saw her with the um, the general public I saw her doing her press I saw her um getting upset 
I saw her standing up for, you know, she was, she is, and she's, you know, what is she, 90, 95, 96 now. And um, she is an extraordinary human being, a human being who happens to be a storyteller as well and, you know, performer. But th that lady uh, did things. Even the other day, I just was looking through, scrolling through photographs in my phone that I've got. You know how sometimes you get things that someone sends you and you think, oh, I'll take a picture, a screenshot of that, so I've got it and stuff. And um, I saw a picture of, me cutting my ninth birthday cake in America and she's to my left yeah she came and I yeah actually I was with my mum and I said I said you know she must have been exhausted she was doing eight shows a week of one of the most extraordinary shows difficult shows uh, challenging shows and she bothered to come and pop in and say happy birthday to me those sorts of things are I think uh you know so she became and is a, a, a heroine of mine, and yet she's kind of a friend as well. So, you know, it's, it's a strange path to lead, but yes, definitely. And and many like her. Yeah, and was there someone that, you know, maybe a pop star or something, or a musical theatre person that you'd always adored, and then you got to meet them? Well, I mean, when I was very little, I loved David Essex. I adored him. Um, I went- I still <laughs> do. <laughs> I haven't seen him for years, but yes, it was mortifying because I was then on a tele television show with him and I didn't know where to put myself. I was only about eight or nine. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> 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 um, but I generally think, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I do think there's some fantastic people on there. And I, and I but I think we have to remember that, that you know, I, I, I'd like to think that we're all hopefully approaching people as human beings, but we do get a bit overexcited, don't we? Okay. Sometimes we go, oh, I know you are a telly. <laughs> For you, I, you know, I expect once you went into EastEnders, mm. you know, you had a new younger audience that might not have seen you in musicals or remembered you mm. from other TV shows. So that's oh, yeah. a whole new fan base to you, hasn't it, playing Carmel? Yes, well, yes, indeed. I mean, that's I, I find it wonderful and also hilarious, actually, because also people, you know, people will come up and go, "What, Carmel?" And I'll think, <laughs> oh, "Oh, what's that?" And then I remember when I first went into EastEnders, um, somebody came up to me in in a, in a department store, and I think I was on my lunch break actually, and I popped out between, you know, in lunch, and I'm looking through something in the, in the store just outside Boreham and this woman comes up to me and she nudges me and she goes. Go with the postie, he's lovely. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what is she talking about? You know, and I re it was the, the storyline that was out because also because you film so far ahead, you are mm. sort of eight, ten weeks ahead, you're not really sure what's on screen at the time. So you're constantly thinking, oh lordy, what have I done? What did I do? What was on? <laughs> no, I can't, I think I came, Paul and I came to see you. I think it was in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with Robert yes. Andrew, where you played that wonderful character with a little sexy comedic bit where you were drunk in underwear <laughs> lots of women who are drunk i play a lot of drunk women sometimes in underwear i do that in eastenders quite a few times as well it's, oh i don't know and in nine to five actually you did you know there's yeah. the big song and you end up in a corset and everything yeah i you know, know. i mean desperate just, women 
just amazing in that I went to see nine till five three times I think but I know mentioning dirty rotten scoundrels because I I I think that's when you just got EastEnders around that time if I'm right because I remember going into your dressing room and saying you know what are you doing after this I knew you were coming out of it and you said well you can't tell anybody but you know I'm going into EastEnders and you'd already started filming I think yeah and it was so excited I, I was so excited for you and I couldn't wait to see you in it and what you've just been saying about people stopping you in the street is I, it's only just occurred to me when you said that is, of course, you don't speak naturally with, um, you know, an EastEnders accent. So no. when people stop you in the street that have got a Cockney accent, do you answer in your natural Bonnie voice or in your EastEnders um, uh, No, I think in my natural Bonnie, Bonnie voice, because also, you know, as you said, kids will come up to you and especially when you're doing a, a specific storyline and that can be sort of great fun. But and. and but it can be sort of tricky when you're doing a really hard storyline. I did a knife crime, uh, a big, big storyline where they they highlighted knife crime and they had my, one of my sons um, murdered in it. In fact, when we came to see you do Strictly, the live tour, Dar- you were doing it with David, who played Kush, yeah. my other son. Now, David hadn't been at work for quite some time uh, because of doing Strictly and because he was hugely successful in it. And, both um, Shaheen, who played Shaquille, who was the son who got murdered, we knew this storyline was happening. We'd been told and we knew that Darva didn't know. So we came to the show to support him. And then afterwards, he was like, oh, what's been happening? What's been happening? What's coming up? What storylines? And we had to tell him. And it was, I know, it was really hard. We went, "Um, well, there's stuff happening. You've got to tell me, you've got to tell me. You know, because... They hadn't told him and he was going to find out and we just went look we've got to know this we're going to have all this stuff and we all hugged and that was at your party afterwards we were like um we had to tell him we had to tell him it was a family thing we had to tell him yeah but yes when i but and sorry I know that you were really close to him because you know what how he talked about you and and said lovely things about working alongside you and he is such a lovely chap isn't he He's such a lovely chap and he gives the best hugs. He does. He does. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I miss hugs. I really miss hugs too. Yeah. I miss seeing people and, and just bumping into them going, hello, and hugging. You know, I wonder when we'll be able to do that again. Yeah. Can't so wait. have you, through the lockdowns, you've been with B, your daughter. Um, mm. Have you had some, because I know you so well, Bonnie, and, you know, you never sit still. So have you had some sort of routine going every day that this is what I do? I get up and I know you've just done a workout this morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I try. I try. I mean, I think when we first went into lockdown, the very first one, I was just on the end of my run in nine to five. Mm. And it physically, as you said, as you, as you know, it was exhausting. <laughs> no, I was quite broken and I needed the break. And I was due to finish about three weeks later anyway. And there was part of me thought, oh, I can actually repair and relax. I was you know we all went through that phase of thinking this is really quite scary and frightening and then we all sort of went right keep calm carry on and clear out cupboards so I did do all that stuff about you know, I haven't been at home really oh, isn't it lovely being able to sort of do this and then you get to the point you know we've all been through ups and downs haven't we it now feels a bit like groundhog day and I don't know about you but it always seems to be four o'clock 
the day happens, it's four o'clock and you start the week and then suddenly it's Friday. And where did that go? Um, I've tried to do bits and bobs. I've tried to be as proactive. You know, you hear some people and they're writing books and doing things and blah, 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 blah. blah. I don't know. And although I've kept ticking over and kept busy, um, there's probably things that you think, well, why didn't I do that? I still haven't cleared out my storage. I should have done that. You know, but we can't beat ourselves up. I think just keeping going and trying to stay positive and uh, in touch. There was a point I did do, I'll tell you one thing I did do, which is quite a life change, is I got a puppy dog. Got a puppy. Yeah. So that was quite a life change um, and will be a life change because it seemed the ideal opportunity to have that time to bond to 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 you know get used to each other to have this beautiful little creature in our lives and something to go out for to to I mean social my goodness you go out with a with a puppy dog you talk to everybody it's yeah. lovely don't know any any humans names and all the dogs names so what, and what what type of dog she's a multi poo which is crossed between a maltese and a miniature poodle and her name is poppy and she's just adorable and you know for for a positive outcome to a difficult situation we now have this gorgeous little creature in our lives um and she's my little my little friend and naughty as well and it's it, i think to have something to to get up and get out for is really important so i did do that that was a big life change um yeah i can't do my workouts with her around because she just wants to eat my shoelaces <laughs> and are you a workout person that joins in a zoom class or something you found on youtube or do you do your own bonnie are you disciplined uh, enough to just do bonnie's exercises no although i mean we all do what we like don't we you know and then you end up thinking oh i'm just doing the same stuff and it's boring and i don't like being in the same room i did discover in that little break in between when the gyms were open i did discover rebounding have you tried that yeah so it's a little trampette and you bounce on a trampet trampoline and what's really good about it is because i had a bad knee injury i just tore my meniscus and there's bits floating around in my knee um it's better for your for, you know for your uh, knees and for your joints and muscles to be able to sort of bounce on something obviously that's going to rebound that's going to take the shock so I do those I do things on YouTube at the moment I'm doing the body coach mm -hmm. so I've just done a little bit of a sort of a, a 30 minute workout I just think partly you know you've got to try and get some endorphins going yeah we've got to try what do you do I do Pilates and yoga for keeping mm -hmm. me stretched and strengthened. Yeah. And then um, on the rainy days, I just do 15 minutes on my bike, exercise bike mm. in the morning, which is as boring as anything. And it, if mm. it's a day I can get out, because I'm just not mm. good at going walking in the rain, then I go for a walk for an hour. And I, I mm. do, I what I do find though, um, even if I'm not going for a walk, Bonnie, to keep my energy up, I've had to go out of the house and get fresh air. Mm. even mm. on the snowy days or the whatever just yeah. 10 minutes walking in my lane or something and you mm. usually bump into somebody walking a dog <laughs> as you say yes there um, you go you know. so yeah absolutely with you so um you know we're running out of time so the, yes. the, the things I would love to just a couple of things to ask you is um what are the things do you think you've passed on to your daughter <laughs> <laughs> probably everything wrong 
you know is, is there anything that you like really I should ask B is saying what's the one thing yeah. you remember that your mum's told you but what would you looking back at your life and I mean what an amazing life you've had um you know and you've performed everywhere and for royalty everywhere and all of that looking back what would you tell your younger self I would try and tell my younger self to enjoy it more and have more of a laugh. Yeah. Um, don't be, don't have to be quite so earnest. Yeah. Because I've all, but then at the same time to put hundred percent into everything you do, no matter what it is, I think is really important to really, you know, if you're going to do something, do it wholeheartedly. And I hope that's what I've passed on to my daughter through sort of modeling, you know, I don't mean walking up a catwalk I mean just being that person <laughs> um that that you know and and to always be I, I think you know they've oh gosh, I, I mean this sounds so sort of cheesy and it is cheesy but my parents always told me it's it, there was this phrase it's nice to be important but it's more important to be nice I would change that to be um yes it's nice to be important but it's more important to be real um and to be uh kind probably uh I think you know because also there are times when people have said to me like so that there was this um uh interview chat I did in Australia now I said I did this mm. Doctor Who thing and um I think it's in Australia or maybe it was one of the other Doctor Who ones it was a Doctor Who one and somebody asked me this amazing question which was you know um what has been important do you remember any one thing do you remember meeting any one person and blah 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 and I could think what that could be you know your brain goes well there's a whole load and uh you know what things have touched you and suddenly my head went into Peter Pan mode I don't know why and I said you know one of the things that I felt was really lovely about doing that job was the young children that I would meet and the people that I would meet um and and that I would get letters from uh children inviting me to tea you know dear Peter Pan would you come over for tea and this person was one of those people he'd written a letter he said well I wrote a letter to you that was me oh I mean I had a lot but you know what it was in, I, you know and I just think that those are the privileges we have in the job that we do because we connect with people so if I've hopefully I've passed on to her not only good manners but also being kind and um and you know putting out a positive good energy and working for everything you know whatever you do don't expect it to fall on your lap you have to be proactive go out there get it and then while you're getting it be kind that's that's a wonderful thing to pass on to her and a, a great way to live because we know mm. that's the only way it works in show business too <laughs> oh yes <laughs> yes because people have very good memories especially yeah. with bad behavior <laughs> oh yes <laughs> so for the future when we come out of this have you got anything that may happen is what we're all saying nothing at the moment who knows I yeah. mean who knows uh it, you know I think it's so sad to see our our world just on pause and in freeze frame uh I think it's I went to London the other day and it was just creepy and freaky really because it was it was a very eerie silence it was snowing at the time as well and London seemed so sad it was like Sleeping Beauty and the ballet when it just all you know everything stopped for a hundred years and everybody went to sleep but then again once that moment of of magic happens it will come back to life and it will flourish yeah. and I can't wait for that time when we can bring entertainment back and we can 
see people laughing and and having a, a wonderful time and coming out from beneath this cloud but we have to be safe and it has to happen when we can do it wholeheartedly and fully and not just then be stopped again and shut down again it we just got to be patient so I don't know trying to keep things going but we just got to be patient wait absolutely and I mean for you know lots of us Bonnie it's probably the first time in your life that you've ever had this long not mm. working properly mm. <laughs> and I kind mm. of tried to make the most of that because mm. you know we know once it goes back then you don't have time to do I remember for us talking once in a job we were doing and you were saying I've got to I've got to find time to do some ironing I've got no clothes <laughs> on and that's what we're like <laughs> you remember when we did that assault course with Anton yes. Depp Saturday <laughs> night takeaway a barbershop <laughs> singing and you taught me something then where I thought oh Bonnie Langford is so wise and oh. probably been through a lot more than I'd been through um, I won't name the person, but during the, I think we were on, it was six or eight weeks and we did a different thing every week, mm. but there was somebody involved in that who wasn't very nice to you. And I was really shocked mm. um, because it was somebody I, I'd met, I didn't know, but I thought she never had come across like that. And I, you, it hadn't bothered you whatsoever. And mm. I said, to you, oh, Bonnie, what, what was that about? You know, have you had a big fight or fallen out at some point? Because I, I you know, I'd never come across this before. And he went, oh, no, darling, it's just professional jealousy and just kind of got on with whatever we were doing. And I, you, I've never forgotten it because I've never heard anyone say that. And I've never really thought about it. Um, but anyway, yeah. that's a little Bonnieism that I kept in my brain that if ever anyone, and I have had it, but if anyone had, does it to me, I just mm. think, oh, well, it's professional yeah. jealousy. <laughs> like that so so will I I could right, talk to you way, um, oh. but you know um, I don't want to take and me you any more we should chat more yeah absolutely so you know just enjoy the rest of lockdown with your lovely new dog Poppy and yes and be my love won't you I will and, um, I will we will chat but um thanks so much for spilling the tea with me today it's a joy always take care my darling spill the tea with debbie mcgee you know you want to i hope you all enjoyed that interview with bonnie because i certainly enjoyed catching up with her and coming up on my next spill the tea with debbie mcgee is someone who i just thinking of him makes me laugh and it's joe pasquale uh who i'm sure that you're all going to love the interview with uh because he's just one of those people that makes you feel happy so join me next time on spill the tea with debbie mcgee spill the tea 